Hello and welcome to The Bravest Kind, a podcast featuring behind-the-scenes stories of fearless individuals demonstrating bravery and kindness in their everyday lives. I am your host, Ryan Schaefer, and I am a firefighter and EMT with the Kirkland Fire Department located just outside of Seattle, Washington. My guest today is Tinny Jacobson. Tinny shares details from an intense and shocking event that occurred when an intruder broke into her home not once, but twice on Mother's Day 2013. Along with the physical struggle Tinny and her husband Kyle endured on that day, Tinny opens up about the emotional aftermath from dealing with such a traumatic experience. Tinny also talks openly and honestly about the importance of trusting one's own intuition, finding strength and vulnerability, and how this moment has helped bring her closer to family, friends, and community. I do want to give everyone a heads up that this episode contains details and discussion that may not be suitable for little ones. So be aware if you happen to have attentive children nearby. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Tinny, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining me on The Bravest Kind. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm very thankful for you taking the time out. And uh, so our listeners know here, I know Tinny because uh, her husband Kyle and I are firefighters together at the Kirkland Fire Department. And the reason that I reached out to Tinny uh, about appearing as a guest on The Bravest Kind, her family really experienced a horrific event on Mother's Day of 2013, so uh, just over eight years ago. Tinny, I know you've told this story, I'm sure, countless times, uh, and I know there's a lot of people that are familiar with it, but uh, there's plenty of my listeners that are not. If you can walk us through that day and set the stage for us on what occurred on Mother's Day of 2013. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. I always, like you said, It's it's a lot of a crazy story. Here's the thing. This story is something that it's definitely one of those like, oh, that that would never happen Mm. to me or or one of those things that you read about and hear about happening Mm -hmm. to others. And, you know, I go through a little nightly mantra with my daughter. She has this whole checklist. She's got a little bit of anxiety and she kind of goes through a making sure everything's in place Mm. before we go to bed. And one of the things she always asks is, are any bad guys Mm -hmm. coming? And I always say, no, no, no bad guys are coming. But in your guys' case, a bad guy definitely did come. Yeah. And our we have the same conversations too. And I've now, I learned to not say nobody's never coming. <laughs> hmm. um, but I focus on like, you know, well, we've got a dog, we've got an alarm system. So if anything ever happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, but because fear is real, right? And so... Um, I think it's important to walk through that. But yeah, a reason why I said kind of crazy story is I've learned, you know, people aren't really ready to hear the story. And then I go into it. It's like, boom, whoa, wasn't expecting that. So, um, and I know that it can sometimes trigger um, emotions for people and everything. So it is definitely crazy. Um, And yeah, it's, it's a, I will try to keep it fairly reasonably short, <laughs> but could obviously talk about it for a long time. But no, you're good. Time, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, in uh, Mother's Day 2013, my husband and I, Kyle, um, we had come back from a long weekend away. Um, we got home around noon on Mother's Day and we were just, um, Kyle was going to go to our gym to train because he was getting ready for the, um, you know, CrossFit 
trying to get to the games. Um, he leaves and I'm kind of picking up. And at that time we lived with my mom who, um, we were building a house. So we lived with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an eight month old daughter. Um, and I just started picking up and where we lived was kind of like, it was it's not like super out, out of town, but it was just enough outside that, um, you know, we had big properties. Nobody really came anywhere. Like we never had mail delivered. People never showed up. So, um, but I'm picking up and I see this guy start walking towards, um, the front door and we had these big glass doors. Um, and I just remember going through my head, like, this is weird. Uh, Sunday, like, it's crazy how fast your brain processes things. Yeah. Um, but immediately kind of flags start going off. Cause it was like, okay, first of all, no one ever comes here. It's Sunday. It's mother's day. Um, right. And so I start heading to, towards the door just to answer it, of course, and then really quickly realized like, oh, he's not going to stop at our door. You could just tell the way he was approaching. He was not some delivery per, as you said, you don't even get mail, but it wasn't like this was some Amazon delivery person or somebody uh, uh, soliciting uh, you know, door to sales or something like that. Totally. Yeah. He was just like, he had a purpose. He was just wa- like, he was walking fast yeah. and intensely. So he... As soon as I realized that, before he even opens the door, I turn, run towards our daughter. Don't know what I was going to do, but I just, of course, your instinct. Um, and then by the before I got to her, he grabbed me. I had a ponytail, um, and he grabbed my ponytail. Um, so, you know, ripped my head and then covered my mouth, and um, we were by our couch. So he throws me over the couch. So he's kind of like hovering over me, covering my mouth, pulling my ponytail Um, And he gets really close to my ear and says, um, I won't hurt you. I just want your money. And, you know, my daughter's like four feet away on the ground, um, starts screaming. And I'm starting to scream and kick. And um, it was crazy because, like, I mean, my greatest fear is always to, um, as you can assume, uh, you know, be taken advantage of or taken. And everything that's going through your head is like, I'm going to be taken. What's going to happen? I didn't think... Maybe anything was going to happen to my daughter, but I, I'm pretty scrappy. I'm small, but I've always been a little bit stronger for my size. So I always kind of thought, well, maybe I could figure out something if, I don't know. And then I very quickly realized that if you're a hundred pounds more than me, uh, wow. (laughs) Like I was, it was, uh, um, really humbling to just be completely controlled and not know what to do. So, um, so I had cash in my wallet. Um, I had 40 bucks because somebody paid me for a hoodie from our gym, which I never have money. Um, and so I said, oh, I've, I've got money. And so he is grabbing my, he still has me, you know, by the ponytail and is walking me towards the diaper bag or, you know, where basically where our front door mm-hmm. was. And so he's holding me the whole time. I eventually get to my wallet and one of my first things, and I know we're going to explore intuition a little bit, was like, I had one of those wallets that like zip around. Um, and so I'm like unzipping my wallet. And my first thing, and he's just waiting for me to do this. Um, and the first weird thing was like, well, if you just wanted my money, wouldn't you want to take my wallet? <laughs> like take it all um, and just run out. Right. Um, but he waits for me to unzip it. He waits for me to pull out the cash. I pull out the cash, I hand it to him and he just, he lets go of me finally. And he, you know, he looks at me and I've never seen a look like this before in my life. Like it was, 
pure evil. It was, his eyes were black. It was like nothing was there. Um, and so he just stared at me and it felt like forever, but it's probably just a few seconds. And then he, um, smacks me as hard as he could and I fall back and then, um, he heads out. All right. So Tenny, I have a question here. So this guy's come in and he has pulled your ponytail. <laughs> he has, uh, thrown you across the couch, mm-hmm. says he wants your money. You happen to have this $40 mm-hmm. and then it's almost like you are having this standoff a little bit. There were, were there words exchanged at all? Oh no, no words. It was definitely very intense. Um, it's like, it's totally like when they say you're going like a car accident and it's like slow motion, that's exactly Mm -hmm. how it felt. So, um, again, kind of like I was saying, just things are going through your head so fast. Um, and you're just trying to figure out how to respond, uh, (laughs) <laughs> but you knew something was off, even in this moment, even with feeling all this fear, and I'm sure adrenaline was pumping mm-hmm. and you're scared. There was still something, though, that told you this was off in so much as you said, like, OK, your, your wallet's right there. If he really wanted money, mm-hmm. uh, take it. And then yet, what did he do at, at, at this point? You, say he, you said that he mm-hmm. slapped you across the face. Yeah. So he slapped me. I fall down, sprained my ankle, which just Mm -hmm. comes into the story, you know, later. And then he leaves. And even when he's leaving, he's not um, fast. Like he's just, it's like he just casually came. Mm. Here I go. Um, And so he leaves. He actually, um, our door, there's like a little deck and then a few stairs to go down. So instead of going down the stairs, he hops over the railing. And then I have no idea where he went after that. Um, So he leaves. um, And then I can't remember if I called the cops first or I called Kyle first. I think I actually called Kyle first. Um, And so I called Kyle, let him know um, and just start running around trying to lock all the doors. My daughter's now screaming. So I go get her, call the cops. um, And uh, again, cause we kind of lived on the outskirts of town. I just knew it was going to take a little bit of time for cops to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just kind of freaking out. And my mom, uh, she was there, but she had gone to take a shower. Um, so she, so when this happened, when this happened, it's you and your eight month old daughter and your mom, but your mom's oblivious to this going on. Cause she just happened to be Yep. Opposite side of the house. Can't hear what's going on. Shower on. Um, and then, I think she must have gotten out and then she could hear me screaming and freaking Mm -hmm. out. So she comes out, but never saw the guy. Um, And so, you know, eventually, um, so Kyle's on his way home now and then the cops call them and, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm on the phone. I'm like, I'm not getting off the phone until I like see somebody in my driveway. And so I think it was like seven, eight minutes before somebody got there. Um, and then he pulls out the end of our driveway, which was again, this long driveway where you could, um, see out the back of our house who was coming. And so, um, he gets to the end of our driveway. He's like, I think I see him. And so he leaves. I'm like, Oh my God, don't leave. Um, no, hold, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Who's, who's, who's he? Oh, sorry. The cop the cop. Okay. So, the uh, first so, a cop, so a cop got there before Kyle did. Yes. With the, yeah. the first person, the first person to arrive was, was a police officer. Yeah. Our gym okay. was probably about 20 minutes away. And yep. so by the time, yeah, cop was faster than Got that. It. Um, and so 
Yep. So he leaves, comes back, starts coming. And then um, more cops just start showing up. And, you know, I start giving my story, explaining what happens. Um, Kyle comes in at some point. They had um, like a canine cop. So they started Mm -hmm. having a dog look around our house, um, which was really interesting because, you know, dogs... Uh, they smell the release of, you know, pheromones or sure. whatever it is. And so they should be able to pick up his adrenaline from leaving. And I remember them saying, dogs can't find anything. Um, you know, Weird. we just see some broken glass, glass, uh, grass where he jumped off the deck and then some footprints to the back of, you know, the woods or the yard. And again, that's just like really subtle, but important stuff. Like a dog can't... Re- smell that like that's yeah it kind of starts to line up with like you had evil looking eyes you looked so off um and so then I think they might have even had like a helicopter cop circling around because we had this big property it was an acre um and then some woods behind us and so just kind of scanning the area so yeah we just started the investigation with the police and everybody was really, really kind. Um, but I remember definitely having this feeling like this dude's coming back. Like I just know he's coming back. Um, and everybody was, you know, saying, you know, of course we can't predict what happens, but we've never seen somebody come back. Mm -hmm. And one guy said, you know, in 30 years of experience, they've never come back. Um, you know, chances are he, he might be homeless and he lives in the woods and, and I didn't know this, but they're like, you probably don't know this, but there are a lot of homeless people in this <laughs> these woods. Yeah, I was like, okay. oh, great. Um, and he's like, and it has happened where, you know, they just want to quickly grab money and leave. And so it was all this stuff trying to like calm my fear, um, but definitely had this feeling that that was the case. And um, and firefighters came, medic, they wanted to check out my ankle, which I felt so lame. I'm like, okay, it's a sprained ankle. I'm fine. <laughs> I know all the calls you guys right. on me are like, uh, okay. Um, I know. You, Kyle probably <laughs> talks to you about it. That's what I always tell my wife. I was like, if, if you're going to call 911, like, make sure it's an emergency. <laughs> That's exactly what Kyle says. <laughs> so now here I am, firefighter's wife, whatever. So, yeah. Um, so yeah given and it the was, circumstances, Tenny, it's, it, it, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was, yeah. So I was like, okay, if you guys tell me to do this, whatever, I'm not sure. the one doing it. So, um, so it just started this investigation. It probably took like four to five hours to like actually give everything, go through all the searching and give your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was still mother's day. So we had plans to go to dinner. So we still, um, you know, we're planning to do that. So Kyle had come back with our friend mm-hmm. who is training with Nick and, mm-hmm. um, they came in the same truck together and, um, you know, everything was taking so long that we're like, dude, take Kyle's truck, go home. Like this is taking forever. Um, and so Nick takes Kyle's truck home. So that was the first night that we were ever, you know, Kyle was home where his truck wasn't home. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, just <laughs> for some context here for our listeners, yeah. Being firefighters, we work shift schedule and in Kirkland we do 48 hour shifts so yeah when we're when we're gone it's fairly obvious I mean our 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 rigs are are gone for those two days as well yeah so first time yeah he was home but uh his truck was not Mm -hmm. so yeah then we go to dinner I mean that kind of blew um so you guys still do your mother's day dinner yeah I mean uh 
I don't know. Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, let's just was, get out of the house. Um, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Did you go out as a family or did your daughter, Lila, was she home with, with your mom? Yeah, she came with us. Um, okay. <laughs> she actually, Kyle's in the podcast that I share this, like she chokes on some lettuce. So I just like dig out the lettuce and it was kind of scary and like, wow, this day is really yeah. great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I remember I was so terrified, like even going to the bathroom in the restaurant, you know, yeah. five hours after this, like it was down this hall and I was freaking the F out. Like I was yeah. so scared to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, go to dinner and then actually had a friend in town uh, from California. So she comes over, we had a couple glasses of wine and just trying to catch up. And then Kyle goes to bed and then um, I come later and I just remember going to every single window, every single door in the home, checking the locks. I mean, I'd go back, I'd go into bed and then I'd check the locks again. And then I go back to bed. I'm like, I should probably do it again. Um, and I could tell Kyle was like, what is she doing? Um, and Kyle will say this. He's like, I had no, he was not worried at all. Like he wasn't at all. Really? He had no, yeah. He was so confident in like Mm -hmm. what the police had told us that like these people don't come back. Um, and he obviously hadn't been there for the experience. So, um, so go to bed and we, um, you know, I, I typically sleep on the side of the bed where it's closest to the door. Yeah. Um, you know, our daughter's eight months old. So getting yeah. up in the middle of the night. Sure. Um, and so I made Kyle flip flop me. So he was sleeping closer to the door and we had two little Yorkies that slept in bed with us and it was pretty annoying. They got up most nights <laughs> to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, and so Far for the course they do. Um, but I didn't, I didn't mean, I didn't fall asleep at all. We had a baby monitor and I kept it on my side of the bed and I just like laid there staring mm. at this monitor, yeah. you know, until one, one thirty in the morning. So yep. dogs wake up, um, to go to the bathroom and we always slept with like wasp spray and a wooden bat. Um, mm-hmm. one point Kyle had asked like, Hey, we should probably get a gun. And I was like, dude, I would never be able to shoot somebody. Um, and so we had some cop told us boss spray was just great. So I tell Kyle, well, why don't you take the bat? And he, um, you know, doesn't really say anything, but he grabs the wasp spray. So, um, probably just to make me feel better. And then he heads out into the hallway. And then just seconds later, our dogs come running back into bed with me. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then they're like, um, kind of growling and all riled up. And then, um, just like few after that kind of settles down just, a, you know, 10, 15 seconds later, I can hear like noises. And so, I mean, I knew the dude you knew really, at this point, I right? knew it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, grab the bat and I run out into the hallway and he, they are in a fight. <laughs> Kyle, um, Kyle and the intruder from earlier in the day. Yes. Full yep. on. Yeah. And absolutely going at it in your house. Okay. Yep. And I, I knew it was him. You know, people are always like, how did you know? Like, I mean, I obviously knew what he looked like, but it was saying like, he had this putrid smell. He smelled so, so, so bad. And so, um, I mean, as soon as I got, I, you could just tell, and then he had these jean shorts and white sneakers and it just, um, and so he was, he had started attacking Kyle and Kyle's, um, what Kyle experienced was Kyle is walking down the hallway, 
dogs run back and then he starts kind of getting after them like dude shut up like you're gonna wake people up and then he turns around and he's like holy shit like and this guy he immediately attacks kyle and so kyle um this is obviously before i got out there but he takes the waspberry and he like sprays it at the guy and he's like it just pissed him off even more like um and so then the guy immediately started attacking kyle Kyle's trying to like uppercut him and punch him. And I mean, thank God Kyle uh, was a wrestler. Like um, it was he, and he's strong, right? So he, um, (laughs) he was doing a dang good job with this dude who is a lot more um, weight than him. And so they're just fighting. And then Kyle is able to get him onto the floor. um, So on his hands and knees so the guy's on his hands and knees and Kyle's got his like arm over the guy's head and so his back is totally exposed for me okay so Kyle's Mm -hmm. basically got him in like a a headlock or some kind of or a half Nelson I don't know what what yeah yeah Yeah. and like you said for those listeners yeah Kyle is a total badass I mean uh, high school wrestler just you mentioned CrossFit earlier I know you guys Mm -hmm. had a team that competed at the CrossFit Mm -hmm. games so I mean, yeah, if I, if I had somebody that, uh, that needed to have my back, Kyle would be a, a damn good choice. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty awesome. So, um, so yeah, so his back was there and I was like, I mean, I had a bat. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start slamming this thing on his yeah. back. And so I just uh, remember reaching up with like every ounce of, that I yeah. could slamming it on his body. And so slamming this bat on his back and then on the sixth time it broke. And I was oh like, <laughs> so you shattered a wooden baseball bat across this guy's back after whacking him six times. And what yeah. kind of effect, if any, did that have on him? Yeah. So it was a Louisville slugger bat, just solid wooden bat. And, um, he's not making any noise while I'm doing it. There's no like, ugh or nothing. And so, um, nothing it didn't do anything um he wasn't hurting or making any remarks and so and, and the wasp and the wasp spray did nothing either i assume yeah and that was more like because kyle sprays that at him and that was more yeah but it didn't do anything um and so then i was like okay well you know the bat's like shattered and jagged and i was like mm-hmm. oh, i should take this and put it into his back and yeah. i was like i can't i can't do that yeah. um and so then since his hips are up, since he's on all fours, I'm like, I'm going to kick him in the balls. And so I start yeah. trying to kick him in the balls, yeah. but my ankle from being sprained, right. I mean, it was just a joke. It was pathetic. And so then I tried my left foot. I'm like, well, this is more pathetic. Um, and so then I see the wasp spray down there and I just, I, his head was tucked down cause Kyle had him in the headlock and I just start spraying him literally like oh, got it. point oh, blank. Gosh. Yeah. And I just had the trigger down and just go back and forth between his eyes for at least 30 seconds. Um, and at that point he is army crawling Kyle, um, like down the hallway. Um, and he's trying to bite Kyle's fingers. He's trying to grab his balls. He's trying to break his fingers. Like he's trying Uh, to do all these things and he's just like gross and he's moaning and, uh, like, uh, more like growling, I guess. Um, and so then Kyle hits a point, of course he's exhausted and he said, Tenny, I need help. And so, um, I mean, it was like a light switch going off and I basically threw down the wasp spray and, um, knew we had two kitchen knives in the kitchen. One sucked, one was really good. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. make sure I got the good one. And so 
grabbed both of them through the flimsy one down and then his back is still totally exposed. So yeah. I just, um, ran and I started stabbing him in the back and I stabbed him nine times until Kyle was like, Tenny stop. Um, and then he let him fall over to his back and I stabbed him one time in the gut. Um, and at that point my mom had run out, um, while I was running to get the knives. So she watched everything unfold and she was trying to, um, take the broken bat and hit him. Um, Kyle got her to call the cops. So she's on the phone with nine one one as I'm, as I'm doing that. Um, was this just, Tenny Lemon, was this just like primal instincts at this point when you're stabbing him? I mean, are you, yeah, what, what totally. kind of like mental state are you in at that point? I mean, obviously you are doing everything you can. Kyle, who's probably not someone that asks for help all that mm-hmm. much, especially in physical endeavors. He's, he's telling you he needs help. You've got your young daughter at home. And was that just a primal instinct that kicked in there? Do you, was that like an out of body type of experience or were you very focused and in, in, in the moment of what was going on? That's a great question. Um, it, the only, uh, it was probably absolutely, I'm sure primal instincts. Um, I was very present, very aware of everything. Um, and, um, basically I think it's all those little things that add up to make you get to that point. Like I wasn't ready to do something like that until we had exhausted everything. Um, and then like you said, Kyle, like Kyle never asked for help. He never needs help. And so, um, to hear him say that, and then just to have gone through all of this stuff prior, I, I didn't, there was nothing else that could be done. And so the only part that was out of body for me was when I was stabbing him. Um, I pulled the knife out and like, there was a part of the blade that was gone and it wasn't like the top of the knife. It was like the middle of the knife. And I was like, this is insane. Like heart's pounding now. Just even thinking about yeah, it. Um, no, it was imagine. just insane. But like I was, and I was so terrified cause he was such a terrifying person um, that I just would have kept going to it. I mean, Kyle had to force me to basically say like, Tenny stop. Like he could feel his body go obviously uh, there are all kinds of stuff then with police coming back and and you've got this body and and uh, i'm I'm sure that was just a litany of questions and interviews that Mm -hmm. that were ongoing but what i'm really more curious about is like how did you cope with this immediate aftermath you and kyle and your family from an emotional uh, standpoint i mean what were the next few days like immediately following that was this a sense of relief that now it was over was this a sense of just can't even fathom it were you still on edge I mean yeah what, what are you feeling for those just first few days after yeah you're really jacked up um sorry no it's okay I always get emotional at different parts um yeah but if I take take your time yeah you're um I mean, I cry almost every time I tell sometimes, but, um, you're really messed up and you don't know what to do. And I like both of us were so terrified every moment. Like we couldn't even drive ourselves. We needed to go to the bank. Like one day after we couldn't even drive ourselves to the Mm -hmm. bank. Um, we had to have my father-in-law help us, but essentially what happened is we, we went to Kyle's parents' house and just, you know, 
went there because now the home is a crime scene and decided we were just now that's where we would stay. Um, and, uh, we had to go to the hospital to get all our wounds checked out and Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, well you guys need to go now see traumatic counseling. So you just kind of start to fall in line to like the steps of, I mean, cause technically we're arrested for murder too. So like now we have to Crazy. like be interviewing with yeah. um, our detectives and stay in. T- so there's a lot of different um, pieces that you just have to check off. Um, and um, you know, we get to Kyle's parents' house and we hear from, you know, Kirkland fire that they shared about our call. And within 30 minutes, like, Kyle's shifts are covered for three months. Like Mm. um, people just offered to take his shifts. And I mean, what a blessing. Like it's something we're obviously forever grateful for. And I get emotional every time thinking about it. Um, So yeah. And then we owned a business, we owned a gym. And so our, our co-owner, he stepped in like, you guys do what you need to do. I've got everything. And so, yeah, you just, we started, just trying to do all the investigation stuff and get settled in now a new home while now starting to um, do the traumatic therapy that was recommended to us through, through that stuff. And that was called exposure therapy. So essentially we had to expose our thing ourselves to things that were very scary for us. And that was awful. Um, You know, it was me sitting in a room by myself and just, Mm. Uh, it would just like everyone would be in the living room and I just moved to a different room and um, you know, it's literally sharing the same wall. I'm just by myself. So doing stuff like that, Kyle had to expose himself to um, everybody going to bed and him staying up for like five minutes alone. Um, he had to expose himself to maybe walking the, to the driveway and back. Um, and so, and eventually that stopped working for me. So then I, I got, different therapies, but yeah, you, it's day by day. That's for sure. How about now? So just kind of talking that immediate aftermath, this occurred in May of 2013, as you said, mother's day. Mm -hmm. So we're eight years later, your daughter Lila is now uh, right around poppy's age, my daughter's age, right? Eight, almost, almost Mm -hmm. nine. And then you have a a son, a Skyler who's Mm six, C six. Yeah. Next week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how does this still impact you and Kyle and your family eight years later? Yeah. So we have, um, first of all, I'm still in therapy. (laughs) Um, and thankfully doing really well, but I've also realized like we've put in a lot of safeguards that allow us to feel comfortable. So like after that event for mother's day, Kyle spent the entire summer, on our new property building, a six foot fence all the way around it. And we have a gate and we were fortunate to be um, sponsored to get a a trained dog. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an alarm, we now have guns. And so there's a lot of things that are in place that some nights I go to bed and I, I mean, I think, well, that I don't think about it too often. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had actually been doing well for a few years. And then, um, Somebody I knew from high school had reached out and sent me a really disturbing message. This is a few years ago. And that took me about 10 steps back where I now like was having nightmares again and um, having to 
double check locks. And so it's definitely a journey um, and thankful to now be connected to my new therapist who we've, we've been working together for a couple of years. Um, but you know, there's, I, <laughs> Kyle and I, um, we realized we'd never like run a house by ourselves. Like people started to realize, Oh, you guys go on vacation oh, yeah. with friends. And we're like, Oh yeah, this is always, we love this. And then we re- realized, you know what? We'd never rent a house by ourselves in our mm-hmm. family. Um, so that's something we'll probably never do. Um, if we go stay somewhere, um, we like Kyle has a little mini fan that he packs with him to work and everywhere we go, just like that white noise. Yeah. Um, and, um, I realized like I've gone on trips with girlfriends and I, um, haven't really figured out the location of where a house is. And then if it's in a place that I'm, Ooh, I don't know about this area that really throws me off. Um, and so there's, there's definitely things that still trigger, but overall, um, manage pretty decently. Yeah. So quick question on that. You talked about getting this disturbing message uh, mm-hmm. from somebody on Facebook and, and uh, going back and checking all the locks and windows. Mm-hmm. One thing that I don't know that I'm real familiar with to this story is you mentioned going back to the night of the actual event that occurred on mother's day of 2013. Mm-hmm. You were, you were talking about just obsessively checking the windows and locks and doing it multiple times and laying down and then getting back up. How did, how did this guy get in the second time? <laughs> it's a great I know the question. first time was middle of the day, but I mean, did it, was a window broken? Was it? Uh, no, you know, I always realize that that's the main question people have. And we still don't know to be crazy. completely honest. Like our door to our house was really weird. Cause like, it would feel like it was locked, but I know it wasn't like completely latched. Um, but that night, I mean, I yanked on it and nothing. Um, but they, he, so he had on him a flashlight, gardening gloves, a tripod, a camera, um, duct tape. Uh, he duct taped his gardening gloves around uh, his wrists. Um, so I don't know if he somehow, tricked the front door lock. Um, detective said they found like a couple pieces of grass in the bathtub in my parents' bedroom, which there's a window in front of that. So they mm-hmm. wondered if like, maybe he somehow got in that window, but what usually happened is my mom might've had shoes cause they never use the bathtub and they just step in the bathtub to like open the window and close it. So yeah, yeah we don't, we have no idea. And then also you mentioned about the truck. Kyle's truck and the fact that mm-hmm. Nick Martindale had taken that yeah. home because this is such a long process. You also wonder if, yeah, if this guy was assuming that you were back home alone. Oh, hundred percent. Like, yeah. I mean, as I just said, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember the detectives coming and they were like, Hey, do you guys have a camera? And we're like, Oh yeah, we'll totally get you a camera. Like no problem. And they're like, uh, no, no, it, we don't need a camera, but they were just trying to confirm <laughs> that wasn't ours. And so he, um, he had this YouTube channel and he hated women. Um, hmm. and so on this channel, he just had tons of videos of how much hate he had for women. And, um, yeah, I don't think he was planning to do some, um, kind things. That's for sure. So yeah. I feel so like we feel so looked out for that night. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. No, it's just, it's, it's the, the, the levels, the layers to that mm-hmm. entire day are just, it's, it's surreal. Mm-hmm. 
so Tenny, you started a podcast mm-hmm. called Common Ground. Mm-hmm. And the first episode, you walk through detail by detail uh, the day and uh, that this all occurred. But one of your big themes in that, and one thing I really wanted to talk to you about, mm-hmm. is intuition and following intuition and trusting your gut. You also talked about how the police officers were there after the first encounter with this intruder uh, during the daytime and how they were like, oh, they never come back. It might be a homeless person that lives out in the woods. But you were convinced that he was coming back. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And what did this event teach you about trusting your own instincts? Mm -hmm. And how has that helped you as you've moved forward over the preceding years? Yeah, that's um, a big question. Um, so many things going through my head. But yeah, yeah I, I started the podcast because um, I've been very aware that our story does make an impact on people. And it's really mm-hmm. awkward for me saying that because it's not like, oh my gosh, my story inspires people like barf. But well, I do. It happened. And it does. <laughs> and I. I Yeah. And I, you know, I, um, we, there is a TV show that did an episode on us and I would start to get these messages from people. I mean, all over the world who would reach out to me, um, and say, Hey, I watched your story. I'm so inspired. Like God bless you and your family. And so I'd start getting these messages and then just talking to people. And so it was a few years ago that it actually was kind of like intuition to be completely honest, like, Hey, you should do a podcast. But like what first popped into my mind is who the heck am I to do a podcast? Like I, this is, I don't want publicity. I'm not trying to be famous about this thing. Why would I do this? And so I didn't tell anybody for the longest time and I just shoved it to the side. Um, and it wasn't until I met somebody who then learned my story and then learned about me and, and everything from there. But, um, yeah, I started the podcast because I think, um, my experience and then going through trauma healing and then just talking to people about different experiences in life and not always traumatic parenting or marriage or whatever the case may be is we all have so much in common um, that I don't, that we don't talk about so much. Like, you know, marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. It's never, it's never easy. And so um, I've always been somebody who's been willing to be like, I suck at this or, oh my gosh, this is super hard. And so like starting to just at least share like, Hey, this stuff is hard, but how can we learn from it and, um, come together and connect more over sharing these experiences? Um, intuition is definitely a huge part of what I wanted, um, our story to be an example for, um, just because, you know, everybody focuses on, oh my gosh, you killed somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, it was the biggest learning lesson in what um, your in, what our intuition does for us. And I, there's nothing I would go back and change about that night. I, honestly, it worked out. I hate that somebody was killed, but like um, I couldn't have imagined yeah. things well, you protected, going. You protected yourself and your family. Yeah, and yeah. So what I anybody would do. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think it was just. Um, it was such a, a incredible experience that taught me like Tenny, you were right. Like you were right. Yeah. And you know, people who weren't there, they can't, um, 
you have your feelings about stuff. And so for me, it taught me like trying to help encourage others. Like, Hey, if you have gut feelings about something where something's off, like that is important. Like we are, we get subtle cues, um, from experiences and situations that are telling our intuition is telling us for a reason. Um, and there's a great book that the detective who, again, she like, after she read me my rights or before she read me rights, she wrote down this book and she gave it to me on her card and it's called the The gift of fear. Hmm. And it's completely about intuition and what, um, people like this guy do. Um, and to help you feel better, like, Oh, maybe it's okay. Cause we are like, especially women tend to be people pleasers or don't want to hurt people's feelings. Right. And so there are people who will leverage that to then make you feel like you're okay. And then unfortunately take advantage of the situation. So I think every woman should read it. I think every man should read it to support and understand. Cause there is a difference. Um, between being a female and a male, to be completely honest. And so that was really encouraging, but I've, um, I'm fully honest that like, I still struggle listening to my gut too, because I've even had experiences with, I was like, somebody like offered me to give or offered to give me a ride in their car. It was just a short little ride. And I was like, I don't know. Uh, and I could have walked. It was pouring down rain, but I was like, I feel bad. He's trying to be nice. And then as soon as I got in his car, this person like smelled exactly like oh the person gosh. who, yeah. and I freaked out. Thankfully everything was okay. But I was yeah. like, Tenny, why are you doing that? Like you could have easily said, no, you just feel bad. And so I'm still trying to learn and be better at listening to my gut. And, um, you know, there's a great person I was connected with in the CrossFit community, Tony Blower, and he studies all about fear. Are you familiar with Tony Blower at all? Mm-mm, I'm not. Okay. So no. he ran this course CrossFit Defense for a while, which. Um, oh, I remember when you guys were promoting that at your yeah. gym. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know, people get asked us questions about self defense and whatever. And like his, his teaching is super cool because it's all about utilizing your body's natural instinct to respond to something. Um, he's incredible. So he flew out to teach the course at our gym, which was incredible. And, um, his, he hates violence. He hates people who do this stuff. And so he is here just to spread, um, insight on managing fear and your response. And he, um, he was so good at just saying like, if you're walking down the side of the road and you now get uncomfortable, what does, what do you lose just crossing the street? Like, why do you have to sit there and put yourself if yeah. you're uncomfortable? Um, and so I think, following him and um he he's awesome but it's so true it's like why would you get in an elevator if you're going to feel uncomfortable something feels off to you why are you now going to get in a closed metal box with somebody who you might be uncomfortable with but we do this all the time so um i yeah i'm still trying to be to learn more about it and i'm and not just in fear situations too like intuition in life like um in my business, like, Oh, something doesn't feel right here and trying to listen to myself, um, better. And so I'm, I'm really on a journey to explore that and now teaching my kids about it. Um, you know, our, our daughter's the same age and, um, we haven't shared about our experience, but I know that she, she's very, um, observant. And so she picks on 
she understands we have a gate, we have a fence, we have a protection dog. Um, and so there was something that came up about her, like wanting to play a game at school with a, f- a friend, but she, she knew who she wanted to play with, but she thought she might get teased because it was a boy and she feel like she should be picking a girl. And I, so it was a really cool opening to talking about mm-hmm. intuition. Cause yeah. I was like, well, Lila, what does your gut tell you? And she's like, well, what does that mean? I was like, I bet when your teacher asked you who you want to play with, you had an initial person like, oh, I want to play with this person. But now you're starting to justify it because you think, oh, it needs to be a girl. Oh, it needs to be her. Oh, she might feel left out. That gut, that's your gut telling you that that's who you want to play with and you have every reason to. And yeah. then I was like, and this is so important, Lila, because um, there's going to be moments in life where, you know, people might want you to do a certain thing and this feels right or something might feel off. And then it really was one of the coolest conversations I've had with her because we could explore like, Hey, well, what if you're walking to school and somebody asks you to get in their car? Um, you know, what would your gut might tell you? And she, mm-hmm. she was like, well, that's kind of weird. Like that doesn't seem right. I'm like, exactly. That's your gut telling you. Why would somebody be offering me a ride to school? So, um, Yeah. So now we're trying to incorporate that with our kids and, um, but intuition is so powerful. I encourage people to look into it. I've learned that we all have it. It's not just, um, not just certain people. And the more you kind of explore it, the the better you'll be, um, at trusting your, your own instincts. So. No, absolutely. It is amazing how easy it is to give into societal Mm -hmm. pressures or whether it's conforming your own beliefs. And as you said, intuition and, and gut, whether it's pushing those down because you're thinking Mm -hmm. about what others want or, or, or trying to please others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's been a struggle for me throughout my life. I'm definitely a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. you know, just the, the power of the power of saying no. Yeah. which I'm still working on and learning. Yeah, I t- you, you talk about that with Lila and having that conversation, mm-hmm. starting to have a lot more of that with Poppy. And there was an instance we were swimming the other day and at the swimming pool, there's a uh, one meter board and a three meter board. Mm-hmm. And she's she really wants to do the three meter, but she's a little scared to do mm-hmm. it. And she hasn't quite brought herself to do it. And so we were there mm-hmm. and one of her friends was going off the higher one. And she kept like, oh, I want to do it. And, mm-hmm. and then her friend was kind of, not making fun of her, but definitely mm-hmm. trying to coax her into doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and she didn't, she's like, I'm going to do it at some point. And so it was this conversation that I had with her that I think was twofold and really good. One was about fear and, mm-hmm. you know, what is it that's keeping you from this and overcoming fear. But then the other one was more of that trusting your own instincts. And I told her, I was like, look, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, then don't do it. Like I could care less if you <laughs> jump off the three meter diving yeah. board. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if, if something is telling you that that doesn't feel right, then that's okay. And, and I don't want you doing it just because this friend of yours is, is trying to talk you into it. You know, if you want to do it for yourself yeah. and overcome that fear for your own benefit, that's one thing. But if it's doing something you don't feel comfortable doing because you have a friend doing it, then I'd rather you not. I mean, that's the lesson I want you to learn now at age nine to help you when you're 16, 17, 18 years old and getting into more dangerous, potentially situations. <laughs> you know? I think you're hitting something that is so important. And it's the other part that, um, you know, it, encouraging people to trust their own gut, but also us learning to say you and I are walking down the street and 
you have a weird feeling about something and you're like, let's cross. Well, like me being able to be like, oh, okay, something feels off for him. No problem. Let's change. And so I think all too often, like, and again, I don't want to generalize, but in enough research and um, trying to look into this, I feel like it is probably more so the case, but you know, women tend to get these feelings and then maybe it's whoever they're with might be like, Oh, you're crazy for thinking that whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, we need to learn to trust other people if they have off feelings and not because now we're just playing into them now trying to people please if we're not accepting that. So I think it's amazing that you were so supportive of that. Um, And we, I encourage everyone to, to listen to others a little bit stronger. So yeah. Has this moment that you experienced, has that jaded Mm. you at all? Mm. Do you still generally find the good in humanity or has this completely flipped how you view people in general? That's a tough question. Um, Nobody's ever asked me to be completely honest and I'm getting emotional with it because I, um, I do still have a messed up mindset about stuff. And I, you know, we never watch the news. That's never been on since everything happened. I don't need to, why do we continuously report about all the bad stuff? Um, And so, but you hear about stuff. And then obviously this last year, everything that has gone on, um, it definitely is a struggle for me. And then um, I realized that I do generalize people too. Um, You know, he um, was... Um, I don't know. He, this is, this, this is me being totally vulnerable and open and people probably will criticize me for it, but you know, he, he smelled awful. People said he was, you know, basically seemed homeless. Um, he, by the way, no drugs or alcohol at all. That's another big question we get. There is nothing in his system. And so he just must've been on this psychotic break. And so I realize when I'm around people who, are maybe not as stable. So if I'm walking down the street and maybe somebody's homeless, they, and a lot of times those people have um, challenges, right? And so I immediately am triggered to feel uncomfortable. And it's something that I really judge myself for because I literally, I, all I want in this life is for us to have a community and feel deeper connected to everybody. But I, I still totally, um, I feel um, it triggers me. And, um, and then I judge myself that I get triggered because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I must be a total a-hole. Um, so I'm working on that. Um, and I'm, you know, working on those moments to say a little blessing over that person and then try and focus on um, whether I'm with my family or s- something positive and shift it, but, you know, at least give good vibes to that person. And then, um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of crazy things in this sure. world, you know? So yeah. that's a work in progress. T- talk to me about being vulnerable. You mm-hmm. mentioned that right there. Mm-hmm. What does being vulnerable mean to you? And why is it okay for all of us? Uh, not just you, but why is it yeah. okay for people to feel that? So I looked up this definition. Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, huh, I'm kind of curious what like the textbook yeah. definition yeah. is. And it was like, opening yourself up to attack or harm. And that was really interesting to hmm. me because 
And I totally get that. Um, but to me, it's, it's, um, you know, talking to people and this was before this all happened, but after this happened, it just, I don't know. I've always loved connecting with people deep. Kyle teases me like, you like to go deep. I do. Like, I don't want to talk about the weather or what you want to have for dinner. I want to know why you are who you are. My wife's and, the same. Yeah, she, does, she doesn't deal with fluff very well. Yeah. Always, and I yeah. can talk fluff for a while, but like the people who I really connect with, like we can go there. And, um, and so I, again, have realized in connecting with people that it is really hard for people to talk about the things that are a challenge. Um, mm. And, and, um, I think being vulnerable is being willing to admit where you have challenges or struggles. And so in real life, and this, I remember, um, when we owned the gym and I would coach and I might've been annoying, but some days I was like, I have a therapist. I see a therapist, um, just to almost like mm-hmm. normalize that, Hey, yeah. <laughs> we need help. And I'm sorry, how does anyone not need help? So, um, it should be normalized. No, no one gives yeah. a second thought to having a personal trainer and all these things to help with our physical well being. Yeah, it shouldn't be a stigma no. to have someone helping and, with our I mental well being. Yeah. And when you're mentally, I mean, that's, I think, the core of it all. Like, I think the physical is like number step two. I think the mental is the foundation and the core mm-hmm. and the hardest mm-hmm. freaking part. Um, and so I think vulnerability opens you up to just like, gosh, just, um, learning more about yourself, learning about others and, um, connecting with people. And maybe some people don't want that, but I think, um, when we share those struggles and challenges, you, I mean, so much good and amazing things can come out of it. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, I talk about, you know, having real low point, um, on my podcast about, almost feeling suicidal like and it was so embarrassing for me to admit that but if I feel that way I can imagine other people going through other things of course have felt that way and so knowing that you know that was a challenge Timmy has there been any good to come from this is there anything that you look back on and you're like man this is this is a really amazing or powerful connection that I have with somebody or talk about maybe being able to, to reach others and help others. Is there any good at all that's come from this? Oh, there's so much good. And I, I tell everybody like, I can't actually ask for this event to be removed from my life because of what has come from it. Like I think of, I mean, initially Kyle and I, Kyle and Kyle is the only other person to see the look that that guy Mm -hmm. gave to me Mm -hmm. and nobody else experienced that. We immediately connected so much deeper after that. And I remember us like laying in bed and like, we are not cuddlers, but he just like clung on to me and I like held onto his arms and I like to share that, like that's not something most people will experience. And then um, I talk about on my podcast, but like the look that, Kyle gave to me when he first got home. Like I've never, it was such a gift to be able to see how much somebody cares about you so much. Um, and I saw it just within that look and I know it. And so 
that and then, um, you know, connecting with our community, seeing like our CrossFit community showed up. Oh my gosh. Like, and that just showed the importance of community to me. The fire department showed up, like, um, still shows up. And, um, and then people who have heard the story and reached out, um, connect. I'm going to lunch with two ladies. I, I talked to at this gun, um, this women's gun club a few weeks ago. And these ladies were like, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Can we take Mm. you out to lunch? And to me, this is what life's about is about true connection. And, um, and so I'm so excited to do that. Um, I'm so grateful to have met Tony Blauer. I, he's a text away where I could just reach out to him or, he connected me to my therapist who, I mean, we barely talk about the incident anymore. We talk about other stuff and he is like, he has helped me with so much. It's insane. Um, and then, I mean, honestly feeling, you know, people believe in God or don't believe in God or energy or whatever the case may be. Um, I think people go through trauma and they're like, why did God do this to me? And I've never felt that with our situation. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we were so protected. Like to have our dogs wake up when they did to have Kyle's truck, not be there, but him be there. Um, so, so much gratefulness for whatever higher power there is, um, as far as feeling protected, um, doing this opportunity, like how cool is this? And so, yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of good that has come out of it. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, obviously not the the way you'd want it to happen or the platform that you would choose, but it's there and mm-hmm. making the most of it and being able to help others. And like you said, really uh, share in those connections. And I know that's a big theme of your podcast too, of Common Ground. Like I said, we all, have, we all have things in common. We all have things that connect us. So I can imagine some unique opportunities have arisen from it. Mm-hmm. Tinny, you are happiest when? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, we were just in Hawaii a few weeks ago. I was laying mm-hmm. on the beach. There was a beach to sea lion laying next to us and the sun was shining and my kids were playing in the water. That was pretty dang cool. Um, just the simple moments in life, cuddling on a couch with the kids and my husband or something about the sun that is a happy, happy thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What advice would you give yourself? if you could have a conversation with the 20 year old version of Tinny? Oh, well, the big challenge I have is worrying too much about what other people think about me. Um, and trying to, um, do things the way other people think I should do them. Has this, let me ask you this. Let me stop here real quick. Has this helped at all with that? Has going through that event, has that shed some of that concern of, of, people pleasing and what others might think or, or, or is it? Yeah. Like I said, it or? yeah I think I still have challenges with it, but I, again, it was such a good in, example of how my intuition was spot yeah. on. And so, um, this year, and I think it's my podcast is really the catalyst to help me with it is exploring my intuition better and not just in fear, but in, um, where do we want to go to dinner? Oh, everybody wants to go to Mexican, but I really want to go to Jamie's. <laughs> right. Like speaking up in those moments. Yeah. And um, so the 20 year old version of myself was so uh, just worried about what other people think and not wanting to hurt people's feelings. And I don't, I think if I would have, I would have loved to um, speak 
my truth a little bit more and be more authentic to myself versus always like, okay, yeah, we'll just go there. That's fine. Or, um, doing that. So, um, because I think, I think I know, I just don't trust myself as much. So I wish I would have done that a little bit more. You have to do something that you're scared to do. What's your process of quieting that fear and proceeding anyways? Um, well, uh, typically I research like, okay, what are my, (laughs) what is the, um, statistics here in this situation? Mm -hmm. Um, and then now what my therapist has really helped me do is settle in that moment, you know, calm myself, ground myself, um, and then kind of analyze and then listen to what my gut tells me. Um, and then if it's something that's like, this feels off, then Nope. No, thank you. Um, but I do believe in being uncomfortable, um, because I think that helps us grow. So if it's not something that's in danger, then Hey, usually in the moments where you're uncomfortable is where you grow. Agreed. Mm -hmm. What does being brave mean to you? Yeah, I've heard you ask this question. Um, there's obviously the obvious examples of, um, our military, um, fire, police, think of firefighters, police running into 9-11, you know, the World Trade Centers and probably knowing they're not going to come out, get emotional thinking about that. Um, it's incredible bravery. Um, but I also think it is so incredible when somebody can do something that is so scary for them um, that, <laughs> but they push themselves to do it. And um, you know, I think, and people have said this, oh my gosh, you guys are so brave. That to me wasn't being brave. That was just being in a situation where you're just responding and you're just like, crap, what do we do? The parts where I feel like we were most brave or people are most brave is like, shoot, I need help. Like, I'm not, I'm not good. Um, admitting to others, like, I'm not good. Or what if you are in a job you hate and you, are like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Quitting when you have no means of money to get, but you quit because you know that's not the right thing because you need to find something else. That's so brave. Um, And so I think those moments in life where something might make you uncomfortable um, and be really, really, really freaking hard, that's so, so brave. Tony, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, Thank you for being vulnerable and being so brave and sharing the story. And Mm -hmm. obviously my best to you and Kyle and your entire family. And for those that are listening, you can learn more about Tinny and her story on her podcast, Common Ground with Tinny Jacobson. Mm -hmm. Thank you you so much for having me. (laughs) All right. right. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. See ya. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap on this episode of The Bravest Kind with your host, Ryan Schaefer. Be sure to check out my website, ryanschaefer.com. That's R-Y-A-N-S-H-E-A-F-F-E-R.com for more podcast episodes and information happening in my world. Also, don't forget to subscribe to The Bravest Kind podcast. And if you feel so inclined, please take a moment to leave us a rating for the show. We'll be back at it with a new guest next week. Until then, be brave and be kind in your own lives. 